gentleman who does what we do in Denver. He is all over covering college football, the National Football League, and he has a perspective that few of us have because, my God, he played in the league for a heck of a long time. Former linebacker with the Steelers, the Seahawks, the Patriots. He's Chad Brown. Chad, welcome back. Hey, Chad. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Chad joins us on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. I'm sure you've paid a little bit of attention to Deshaun Watson over the last couple of games since he's returned to the NFL. Your thoughts? What have you What have you thought of the way he's played? Uh, week one was shaky. Week two was better. I, I think when you miss that amount of time, uh, it's going to take some time to, to get back up, up to speed. And that process can't really happen on a practice field. It can only happen on, on a game field. Uh, clearly, he's a player with tremendous talent. Um, but rust is, is a real thing. Things like pocket presence, uh, you can't get that on practice. We've seen coaches do the thing where they throw those pads at the quarterback and he bumps them off and avoids them and all that. But you can only get a feel with that internal clock ticking in your head from real, you know, real speed game action. So uh, I think Deshaun Watson is going would be best to utilize this season really as a chance just to kind of shake off the rust and get it back up to speed with an NFL, uh, an NFL game speed and really begin to try to focus on next season. Uh, this offseason is obviously going to be very important for him to continue on what he's able to get back this year. Uh, but I would not expect Deshaun Watson to light it up from like a Pro Bowl quarterback level anytime this year. Should Browns fans be disappointed, especially because of the way Jacoby Brissett played? In, in his games? Like, if you were a Browns fan right now, what would you be thinking about your own organization? It's a difficult one. You know, yeah. when you invest a quarter billion dollars into a, a player, you want that player to play. You want him to, to play well. And for Deshaun Watson, as I just talked about, who's missed as much time as he has, the only way to do that is to go on the field and play. Um, and if you were to, you know, start Jacoby Brissett for the rest of this season, that only puts Deshaun Watson further behind. So it's one of those tough decisions you have to make as an organization with what's going to be best down the road, what's best long-term, what's best for next season, getting, you know, uh, having Stefanski, if he's able to come back, which I think he will, um, and Deshaun Watson uh, as much on the same page this year so they can go into this offseason with a bit of a momentum behind them. Chad Brown joining us. Chad, you played – for a couple of organizations that were really kind of known for their stability, I think. Pittsburgh, Seattle. In Cleveland, we have not had a whole lot of stability. What When you're in a situation and you're playing and it might not be going well, what screams we need a coaching change? What screams this is okay, we need to figure this out, and we have the right guys leading this thing? It's always going to be on a, on a case-by-case basis. Uh, a real general marker is at the end of the year, is the arrow pointed up? Did we encounter some injuries or some rough times or go through a rough patch? But did the coach continue to have the locker room buying in? Were the guys able to play to their football character? Did they quit? Did they take their ball and go home? Did they cut out early on, on during the week and not do their weight workouts and not watch the tape necessary to prepare for the games, um, was there a general sense of belief and trust in the coaches? Those kind of things are, are important. When you have constant turnover, it's very difficult 
to do more than try to survive and tread water and really just move ahead. My eight years in Seattle, I had six different defensive coordinators. So every year you're learning a new language. And every year you've got a coach coming in who has his little pet peeve that you as a player have to be able to do. You know, some of my linebacker coaches were guys who wanted you to do stuff with your hands or certain footwork drills. And so each year you've got to relearn this coach's, you know, and things that are important to him that may not be important to you that you've got to play the game with. So that process begins to wear you down as a player. I believe it wears down the hope and optimism of an organization as well because once things start to go bad, you start looking around, well, who's going to be fired? Who's going to be replaced? Uh, do I even b- believe and buy into what this guy is saying because he's not even going to be here next year? So stability is obviously incredibly important. But the first part of having stability is having the right people in place and getting some competent uh, results from those people. Now, this year is a bit of an aberration for the Cleveland Browns because the Deshaun Watson situation. So does uh, Kevin Stefanski warrant another year with Deshaun Watson, a full offseason, a full training camp, all that process to really see what those guys can be like together. Chad, is a guy trending in the wrong direction if he comes out first year, you know, he's coach of the year, they make the playoffs, then last year they're game under 500, this year they're going to be in the same vicinity. It, do you immediately jump and look at the numbers and say, okay, well, that's not going the right way? And is that how you make a call? Or is it the other factors, you know, that might not be winning and losing? It's not like, it's not like the Browns have gone, what, 3-14, and 14, something like that. Yeah, I think that's why I say it's on a case-by-case okay. basis. And it is, you know, up to ownership uh, and the general manager, he's got a say in this, to be able to look at the, the total lay of the land. You know, we brought this quarterback in, gave him, a, you know, basically a quarter billion dollars, and we didn't get him back until this late in the season. So we had to modify our plans. Therefore, this coach needs to be viewed in that lens. Um, but pieces like I talked about, like the locker room. So the, 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 winning, the winning and loss is great for fans to be able to point to. But if you're within an organization, you can recognize some of these things that may have been outside of that particular coach's control, uh, maybe things that just didn't line up this year from maybe from the injury perspective that would line up next year. If you think about some of these coaches who we think of as great coaches, uh, Bill Belichick you know, certainly didn't light up his first year as Cleveland Browns head sure. coach. Um, so there's been guys who have kind of, I won't say necessarily stumbled out of the gate, but didn't exactly light it up. But you saw that there was something there that warranted additional years. So uh, those decisions are always tricky. Um, they're always a bit nuanced if you go beyond the win-loss record. Chad, the team you cover has been a mess, the, the Denver Broncos. Last week they're getting smoked, and then Russell Wilson gets hot. And they put up some points, and all of a sudden it's like, well, this is kind of what you're looking for out of Russell Wilson all year. Then he gets hurt. What, was it an aberration that they found something there offensively? And can that be salvaged? Or was that just it's, – it's, because, man, they've been just a mess all year. Okay, the, the, the mess part is there's no doubt uh, about that whatsoever. You know, up until this, this last week, they scored a grand total of 10 points in the third quarter wow. all season long. Um, so, I mean, that's just bad football. You go into the locker room at halftime, you come out with your adjustments, and they fall completely flat. 
So it's on Coach Hackett, it's on Russell Wilson, it's on this entire offense here in, in Denver. Uh, now the second half against Jacksonville was a pretty good game. And we thought, oh, they'll build off of that. So that London trip was more than a month ago. Now they put together another second half against the Kansas City Chiefs yeah. this week. So can you even repeat this second half performance this week uh, against the, the Cardinals who are struggling? Um, at the same time, you've been the team, the Denver Broncos have been, that teams come in that are struggling and find ways to get right against you. They find ways to, you know, get things moving. The Las Vegas Raiders, as poor as their season has been, have beaten the Denver Broncos team twice. They got right against the Broncos. Um, so I'll need to see this week's game before I'm able to write, you know, a, a story about what we saw last week, whether it was an aberration or is the arrow finally pointed up. Um, now, with Russell Wilson's injury, part of the success Russell Wilson had last week against the Chiefs is he started making plays with his legs. And that's what we were familiar with from him in Seattle. Uh, but for a guy who's able to do that, you still got to be able to protect yourself. And as an older player, particularly as an older quarterback, it becomes harder and harder and harder to protect yourself unless you're a guy like Peyton Manning or Tom Brady who are just willing to self-sack and fall on the ground attempts to not be hit. Well, Russell Wilson tried to reclaim his past glory and got himself in concussion protocol. So that doesn't seem like a path forward uh, for this team or for Russell Wilson. Uh, the, the prospect of him being a pocket passer evolving into Drew Brees doesn't seem to be within his skill set. So how do you deal with that? Uh, a guy who needs to play, make plays with his legs to drive the offense forward, but who can't keep himself healthy. So uh, the, the Broncos are in a tough spot because they've got a quarter-billion-dollar contract to Russell Wilson for a guy who doesn't seem to be able to elevate himself past being one of the bottom five quarterbacks in the league. Uh, let's turn the page just a little bit for college football there uh, in your neck of the woods. What do you think about Deion Sanders uh, becoming the head coach of the Buffs? Uh, a lot of optimism, a lot of energy, a lot of res restored hope and confidence has been abound here in Colorado since uh, Coach Prime, as he likes to <laughs> call himself, requested to be called, has become the head coach. Uh, he's getting five, four and five-star recruits, uh, recruits that you couldn't have dreamed about uh, within the last decade are now in the conversation for the Buffs. So uh, there's, there's certainly uh, a lot of positive from this move from CU to be able to do this. In the short term, they were able to, in the pursuit of Coach Prime, get the Board of Regents to approve a higher coaching salary for the head coach. So now the Buffs are paying at a, what we think of as a uh, higher-level college coaching head coach salary. They got the uh, pool for the assistant coaches, raised as well. So now that's no longer an issue. This transfer rule, which has been very difficult for the Buffs the last two years to bring in transfers in, now the transfer portal has opened up and become you know, a part of college football, they couldn't bring guys in academically because of the standards on campus. So now they got the chancellor to approve a pilot program to bring some of these transfers in to help you know, bring up the level of, of the, of the uh, recruits coming in, or I'm sorry, the transfers coming in and put them on par with some of the other football powerhouses as far as transfer rules. So in the very short term, even if this Deion Sanders thing isn't a long-term move, even if it doesn't pay off uh, with wins on the football field, they got some of these massive barriers that have been in place the last couple of years for the Buffs 
those have been removed. So I'm stoked about that because, again, if it's not this coach, maybe the next coach who comes in will meet a higher level of success because these roadblocks have been removed. I expect Dion to be in a bowl game next year, having said all that I just said, because he's going to bring in far better players. Now, will it be like Lincoln Riley at USC and like Brian Kelly at LSU? I think that's a bit too high of a hill to climb for the bus here in year one. Both LSU and USC have four- and five-star guys on their roster. Um, they're recruiting hotbeds in Southern California and the state of Louisiana in ways that the Buffs haven't. So it's going to be a bit more of an uphill climb for Coach Prime, uh, but I certainly think a bowl game shouldn't be out the, the realm of possibility. All right, Chad, I, I have a bone to pick with you here, okay? Hmm. And if I didn't okay. understand the reality of it, I'd have a real valid point, but I understand the reality of it. You went to Colorado. Congratulations, part of a national championship team there. Andy and I went to Kent State. Not part of a national championship team there. Didn't root for one. We're lucky to win a MAC championship. And your alma mater hires our alma mater's head coach a way to be the offensive coordinator. In what <laughs> world does that happen, Chad? We're not happy with you. Wait, I, wait hang on. I'll help you out just a little bit. He doesn't understand that our alma mater is one of the cheapest universities in, in college athletics. I and said I knew was, the reality okay, of it. Okay, I just want to make sure that he was like among the lowest paid in football sub. Yeah, in, okay. In the, in You're getting a good offensive Sorry. coordinator. Yeah, we are. thought he was a good head coach, Chad. Yeah, I think only a coach like Coach Prime can pull a move like that to get somebody who was, you know, in a head coaching opportunity and get him to step back down to the assistant level. Um, I got a little bit of Kent State knowledge. Uh, I was coached by Dean Pease. There yeah. you go. I was uh, at the New England Patriots. Know Dean really well. Great guy, great position coach. Going on to become a tremendous coordinator uh, at various stops in the NFL. So uh, I got some Kent State information. Uh, also shared a, a locker room was right next to uh, James Harrison as well. There you go. So uh, a little bit more Kent State history for you. Thank you. Yeah, but I, I think I think it takes a coach like Coach Prime with the brand that he has built and the attention that he is going to bring to the players on campus, to the the assistant coaches, and to himself. Um, he is a, the, the new ways of college football coaches. He is a coach whose brand is actually bigger than whatever school he's coaching at. And because his brand is so big, he's able to elevate that particular school. I cannot think of any other coach in college football who brings brand bigger than Dion does. And it speaks to these recruits he's bringing in. And it speaks to this move to be able to pull a head coach and turn him into an offensive coordinator, and that is seen as a, 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 an upgrade of some sorts for that particular coach. Chad, great to have you with us again. Thank you very much. Thanks, Chad. Also, don't forget, you played the same spot as probably one of the best Kent State football players ever, Jack Lambert, right? Linebacker, oh, pitch pro. Yes. guys, there you go. We'll enrich you in your Kent State history. I'm on this call. I there you go. You have a good one. Thanks, Chad.